Driven Society Podcast. This is Franz Bowen. This is Trav Weeks. Yes, sir, and with another installment of the Driven Society Podcast, and we have another ill guest in the building today. We got the head of partnerships of Pod Digital Media, uh, 40 Under 40 inductee, Mr. Gary Kwashi. Haha, <laughs> what's up, guys? What's going on? How's it going? So far, so good, good man. man. Blessed yeah. to be here. Thanks for coming. No, absolutely. You forgot the founder part in oh, front of the head of partnerships. <laughs> founder. <laughs> yeah. Don't get it. Don't get it twisted. Okay. <laughs> My bad, yo. I went on LinkedIn. I was like, oh, okay. You know what I'm saying? It's a little humble with that one, but it's all good. Did your due diligence. I, got I respect that. <laughs> but yeah, th thanks for coming in, man. Um, you know, uh, we, we, we built this platform to, you know, be able to um, highlight individuals of our community and extended communities that you know, um, are doing miraculous things, um, but aren't, aren't usually the, the sung heroes, you know what I'm saying? So so many people pay attention to the Hoves, the the Diddies, the Dre's, the, all these individuals, and they've done amazing things, but we have like these really dynamic individuals that are on the ground day to day, you know what I'm saying, moving the ball forward. So, um, you know, thank you again for, for coming out, man. Of course, of course. Absolutely. For sure. So let's jump into it, man. Won't you, uh, you know, tell us a little bit about, um, you know, your kind of your foray into business and, uh, you know, how how you uh, came up with the uh, brilliant idea to, you know, attack the the podcasting market. Oh, absolutely. Um, first of all, just definitely want to say thank you guys for having me. Uh, I'm following the movement; it's appreciated. Um, young black man, really trying to move the culture forward, uh, really bridging the gap between those tier one brands and blue chip advertisers and really trying to get them immersed into culture. So uh, definitely congrats to you guys. Uh, and certainly keep keep moving the culture forward. Uh, very excited to be here. Um, very excited to talk about my story, uh, the story of Pod Digital Media, and of course the, the plans and the ideas that we have to push it forward. So um, I've been in advertising now for a total of 16 years. I've worked on the brand side, where I worked as a director of marketing at Lacoste. I've worked for as an e-commerce marketing, senior e-commerce marketing manager for L'Occitane, which is a French and beauty brand. Um, I've also worked as a consultant at Verizon. I've worked at New York, New York and Company back when uh, AIG was going through all the different issues with the government. I was, I was working there as a consultant. I've been around the block. Uh, and I've also worked on the agency side, where I worked at uh, Mediacom, uh, leading the Dell team on the search and social front. I've also did some work on the Canon piece of uh, Canon business in American Eagle. And from there, I went over to Omnicom, where I worked on Luxottica. And Luxottica is comprised of eight different brands, Lenscrafters, Pearl Vision, Ray-Ban, Sunglass Hut, uh, and a couple of others. So worked in the same, in the same capacity as in uh, as a search and social marketing director uh, leading the team. I think the team at the time was about a team of eight. Uh, and while at Omnicom, there was an opportunity with, uh, with Volkswagen that I just won the business and I've always wanted to work within the auto vertical. So I went to uh, lead the team, the search and social team for, for Volkswagen. So that's still within the agency side. And after that, uh, my last full-time job is at Wasserman Laundry Service that's in Dumbo. Uh, it was actually my first time at more of a, because they're more of a creative shop, and I have more of a media mindset. But that experience was actually uh, was instrumental 
um, to sort of really bring my my marketing and my marketing experience full circle because now it's more in the behind the scene, really creating the actual content. Um, but yet creating the actual content with media in mind as to how we're going to promote it so we can amplify it so the message can get to the right to reach the audience in the proper way. So so all of the, all that experience, I say all of that to say that I'm really, I am a marketer's marketer. I fully understand marketing. I I say this story all the time. People think I'm joking, but it's the actual truth that I really got into marketing because of Marcus Graham from the movie Boomerang. Uh, he was such a cool, yeah, it's a classic. Uh, he was a cool guy in the movie. He was smart, he was brilliant, he was smooth. And I said, man, this guy is super cool. I need to grow up and That's be crazy. like this I never guy. watched that movie. What's it called? Boomerang? Boomerang. Oh, boomerang. <laughs> oh, yeah, boomerang, yeah. Boomerang, yeah. Yeah, so so that sort of really, that level of representation mattered to me. Um, not only looked cool, but to me that was representation. I was a black man on TV. That was a CMO. I think it was a vice president of marketing that was running That was running things. Right. Right. Yeah. You haven't seen that in TV in a while. On TV in a while, yeah. Correct, correct, correct. Well paid, yeah, well paid. They weren't at school as Marcus, but you know they were still they were still in the mix, you know. Um, um, so, but yeah, so um, yeah, it was it was you know so that really why I always wanted I always like to give the boomerang its credit for that's how I got into Absolutely. marketing. It's a good note, man. That's a, uh, I forgot that he was definitely headed up the marketing. Right, and that's one of my goals, man. Because black men, there's so many of us. You said something earlier about the Didi's and the Dricks of the world. They're the actual the talent. Uh, people that actually appreciate is the the Mav Carters of the world, the Chris Pauls of the world, um, the Steve Stouts of the world, because those guys are behind the scene. Um, they're behind the scenes, sort of really moving the levers, allowing the Bigs the big the Bigs Burks of the world, really allowing the talent. Hey, go ahead, be a talent, and on the back end, we'll do the business side. We have your back 100, percent and we're going to make sure that we're aligning you with the proper brands, with the proper moves that make sense for your brand and that makes sense for the business so we can move the culture forward. So that's the role that I certainly see myself playing now currently, having being fully immersed into marketing and understanding media. I understand what it takes to get on a media plan. I know what a media plan is. I understand what it takes to to get in, uh, how to get in the radar of the agencies. I understand what the agencies are looking for from vendors. I understand what the clients are looking for from the agencies. I understand the level of innovation that's required to get on a media plan. I understand how to sort of schmooze your way and to build the right rapport with the agency folks so you can so you can actually have a meeting, so they can take a meeting with you, uh, so you can really get your you can get an opportunity to get your your brand your your services, your offerings in front of them. So it's all part of you. It's a machine. You have to understand the machine. And what happens is 99.9% of the time is that a creative that knows how to create great content, they're focused on creating content. They don't have a creative that has both sides of the brain that can do both is extremely rare. I'm not saying it doesn't exist, but it's extremely rare. So they do need business folks like myself that has that level of knowledge, that understand, that understand, that has a 360 degree understanding as to how media works, as to how the agency work, agency side works, as to how the client side works, and as to how they can potentially partner with the right brands, mm -hmm. right? So, 
that's the role that I see myself playing. So, you know, when I have these conversations or I do these interviews, I really align myself with the Steve Stouts of the world, with, you know, with the Map Carters of the world, because those guys are behind the scene and really moving the levers because they fully understand, they understand their talent, the level of talent that they're working with. So they're not going to take any types of deals just because you want to be, you know, you want to be in bed, you want to partner with LeBron. That's not happening because they understand the value of LeBron. So they're just not teaming up with brands just for the sake of teaming up with brands. And let's let's come back. Let's let's take that on my side. I'm not. There's certain podcast deals. We're not taking certain podcast deals for certain podcasters because it just doesn't make sense. It's not aligning with what the podcaster is about. Um, so yeah. So those are the type of folks that I truly align with because I'm not a creative. I'm far from a creative. Uh, but anyway, to answer your question, <laughs> um, that's basically what led me to launch Pod Digital Media. One, having the full knowledge of really understanding how media works. Two, realizing that there's a gap in the market space, that there was no other company that was focused on the multicultural segment. And I fully understand the power of the multicultural segment. I understand the buying power. I understand how to move culture forward. So therefore, I said, hey, this is a golden opportunity to create something that doesn't exist. And if it doesn't exist, who is a better candidate to that can be elected to launch this. The guy that's been on the media side, that understand how media works, you understand, because I've been on integrated marketing plans from search, social, TV, programmatic, out of home, print, digital. I understand how, how all of that tie in together. The guy that also understand what clients are looking for, that's true. And the third piece is that the guy that has the access to the creatives that are looking to make money, that are looking to partner with brands. So I definitely saw it as a golden opportunity, and when the time came, uh, that's when I launched Pod Digital Media. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting, man. Um, first of all, congratulations, and, you know, big up to you for having that foresight, right? Absolutely. It's interesting. I was watching um, Steve Stout's interview earlier this week on, on, um, on uh, Breakfast Club. He was talking about, you know, uh, artists or just, you know, people in the creative space really rushing to take that big bag first, right? Right. And... You know, right now, podcasting is still very much, you know, the gold rush. It's in the wild, wild west phase, right? So there's a lot of, um, you know, opportunities that are being prevented. A lot of companies are, you know, in an overpaying phase, you know, um, kind of like how, uh, you know, a couple of years ago before brand activations became kind of like a mainstay, you know, the companies were throwing like huge events, you know, and, and probably overpaying for a solution that, that they, you know... Um, they, they, they probably didn't have to pay as much for. But my question to you is, um, you know, how do you, how do you um, communicate with brands that don't necessarily understand the, the podcasting landscape? And, and how do you um, help them source those different audiences, right? Because, you know, being people of color, we're not usually the, the individuals that are looked at uh, when it comes to audiences for podcasting, right? The the audience for podcasting kind of like, you know, um, anywhere between like 21 to like 35 white, you know what I mean? Into different things. So how, how, how do you uh, communicate with those brands on that level? Well, first of all, my, what we do is that we, we certainly have a, a full understanding. Uh, we get a brief from the advertiser uh, understanding who are you looking to reach and what what's the objective of the campaign? First, before I can make any recommendation, I need to understand what it is that you're looking for. Once we get a, once once that's crystallized and we fully understand what what it is they're looking for, then we can make additional recommendation. We can say based on 
based on insights from Nielsen or based on insights from, cert, uh, from other campaigns that we've done, this audience responds extremely well to those types of ads in those particular podcasts. It's a one, it's something that has to make sense. One, two, for us, it's, it's, a, it's a business decision because the more podcasts we can get you to advertise on, that's how we can get scale, that's how we can get more budgets. Um, so therefore, but first it has to make sense. We don't want to take your dollars and place you on podcasts where we know you're not going to see any success. So it's fully understanding once we get the brief, uh, who, are you looking, who are you looking to reach? And we basically give you an a la carte menu of additional podcasters that, that will make sense for your business. And we'll tell you, hey, you know, you're looking to reach 18 to 25. When in fact your competitor is doing 25 to 35, they've expanded their audience segments, their demographics, and they're seeing great success. We highly recommend you doing the same. We don't have to, you don't have to be as aggressive, but it's worth doing a test to see how those, that segment reacts to your brand and react, react to your advertising, your advertisement in, in, in different podcasts. So we have those conversations. Some of them are not easy because some brands come to you that says, I know what I want. This is what I want. I know what I'm looking for. And sometimes we just stand back and say, hey, go ahead. Hey, we're not going to fight you. But sometimes I have the gravitas. I have the media knowledge and to, to make some recommendations, to challenge you to say, why are you thinking this way when you should be thinking that way? And I think that's based on my, ex my experience in, set of, in having that skill set that understands media. And I'm also now at a point where I'm not your agency. I don't necessarily have to kiss up to you. Yes, I do want your business, but at the same time, I can, in a sense, where your agency might sort of have that. Because I used to have that fear on the agency side. I'm like, I don't think I want to challenge my client. I don't want them to lose to say I'm not doing a good job on the business. That's what you want to do. That's what we're going to do. And then that's when I was younger, but the older I get, the, the, more confident I, the more confident I was getting in my roles, the more I realized that, hey, I can tell you, I can politely tell you no. I, I just can't tell you no and have no other solution, but I can tell you no and bring forth different options that's going to make sense for your business. For sure. How so, are you, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. How, how are you tracking the 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 results though because the, the thing like right now especially with with podcasting you know is, is very much um it's not as robust uh, in, in terms of like traceability and, and numbers right like downloads and versus you know streams or what have you they, right. they it's the numbers are very uh fuzzy so how are you how are you what what kind of how are you collecting the metrics to go back to the clients and say hey this is what we were able to do for you it's twofold. Uh, we have two the things that we do at Pod Media is that we most of the podcasters and advertisers that we work with, uh, a promotional code is given to each podcaster. So therefore, that's how we're able to track results. We'll say Driven 101, Driven 10. You type Driven 10 at checkout, you get 10% off for, for your daily harvest order. Right, so the more coupons, the more codes they redeem that checkout. That's a way for us to determine if it, if that's if that's if that's successful or if it's not successful. If your if podcast as a medium, as a channel is driving sales for you, there's that overarching sort of reporting that they're looking for. But additionally, how we optimize those campaigns is each podcaster individually and to say, hey, Driven Society drove ten sales. Lip service drove 60 cells. Brilliant idiots drove 100 cells. Clearly, we know who's driving more cells. So let's allocate all of our dollars 
two two brilliant idiots because they have the traffic and at the same time they're driving they're driving a lot of sales for us. So that's one way that we do it. Is they, all those coupon codes that that are being redeemed at checkout. So is it sorry, bro, just real quick. So is is saturation a part of that conversation at all? It just in terms of like visibility? Because like if you have a pre roll and you know, so and it's like at the beginning of brilliant idiots, right? Like the the first like you're kinda guaranteeing that's like a hundred percent of the audience is hearing it even if there's no conversion. Is is saturation or visibility or listenability a part of any of that conversation? So one of the things that we do to educate our clients is that we tell them um Similarly to how you have other campaigns, you have a full funnel approach, have the same sort of approach with podcasts. Don't treat podcasts and think it's placing an ad and 10 shows is going gonna, is gonna to drive your business tenfold. It's not going to happen. Yeah. So for the first two weeks, it should be three weeks actually, it should be all awareness. It should be all upper funnel, educating the audience about who you are, what it is that your, your product and services offer. Repetition builds reputation. They'll keep hearing it, and they'll keep saying, oh, I keep hearing about Casper Mattress. What's Casper? I'm interested about Casper. Casper, 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 Casper. Three weeks, that's all they're hearing, right? The second two weeks now, you have your full funnel. It's upper funnel. It's consideration. It's acquisition. So then now, let's move them to the consideration stage. Consideration phase where they can now start considering your product. Now your messaging is starting to get a bit more aggressive. You should consider Casper. Casper is great. Casper is used to going into the price points piece. Like Casper is affordable. Casper will deliver it to you within 48 hours. You should, et cetera, et cetera. Now, those people have, have listened to your upper, upper funnel messaging. There's a level of interest that's been generated. Now you've, you're moving them down the funnel because now they're considering it. And they're considering it due to the fact that now you're providing them with much more information to educate them and getting a bit much granular as to how they can potentially purchase the product, right? Then there's the acquisitions phase. That's the next, the, the, the last three weeks now. Now it's, you can get this at 30%. Buy today. Buy now. Purchase now. You need to sleep better at night. Why don't you have a new mattress now? That's the acquisition phase of the funnel. So what we tell brands and what they understand, and brands are smart, so they know this already, is that a purchase can happen all throughout the funnel. Someone can hear you at one time, boom, they're interested. You know what? I'm in the market for a mattress. I'm going to buy Casper. That's at the upper funnel. There, there, were, there, were, there wasn't any aggressive messaging, but they're in the market for mattress. They'll go ahead and purchase it. Consideration stage, same thing. Acquisition stage, same thing. So, therefore, but your messaging is different in all in all throughout the funnel, all in all different in all three different phases. So, similarly, that's the same approach and strategy that they employ for TV, for programmatic, for search and social. So, they should be doing the exact same thing for audio, and that's why we educate them on that your messaging can get stale. People get tired of this, hearing the same messaging over and over again. It should educate, invigorate and get them and motivate for purchase. Actually, I just made that up. That sounds good. Um, <laughs> you're, you're a marketer for real. <laughs> so um, when, when you get a pitch, um, are you going out at that point now? Like they say, I want a podcast um, to uh, target a certain demographic. Um, are you going out and do you have a pool of talent that you go out and create a podcast from scratch? Or are you just delivering now the um 
advertisers to an already set pool of podcasts that you already have signed to your network? So that's a good question. Sometime we need to reach and scale for a specific category. We may not have enough podcasters, so we'll actually go out and reach out to new podcasters. Say, hey, we haven't worked together, but we have a great client that's looking for your audience based on the content of your show. We've done our due diligence. We're looking for, we're, we're looking potentially start a campaign for four weeks, and this is the advertising. Can you provide us with your numbers? The amount of listeners, we need to see your reporting to, to sort of validate it uh, and confirm the legitimacy of your numbers, and then we say, okay, let's kick off a campaign. And then based on how that goes, we probably now that gives us an opportunity, um, an opportunity for us to uh, to work with that podcaster moving forward, right? That just kicks off a relationship because now we're not saying, hey, we would like to work with you. And when we have a campaign, we'll, you know, we'll send, we'll send some dollars your way, but we're coming to you directly and saying, hey, we have a campaign that's ready to go right now. Can we make something happen? So that said, it's... Uh, that said, it's, it's, it can work both ways. Um, you got to look at us as a, you have to look at us almost as a, as your agent, right? Uh, your Zion. If you're an agent, do you want to work with Zion or do you want to work with some kid that, that played ball in Italy that no one really knows about? Granted, the kid in Italy still has value, might still be a good basketball player, but you want Zion because the world, you know, you know for a fact Zion He's going to be a first draft pick. And then, in addition to being a first draft pick, he's marketable. So the Sprites, Cadillacs, Hyundais, all of the brands are going to come after him. So he as has a, already eyeballs on precisely, him. Precisely. Precisely. So my next question then is, um, have you guys started incorporating video as far as your podcast? And how does that work with um, the monetization um, So video, model? Uh, yeah, videos, we uh, look at that as a... As added value, because we're staying in our lane. We know our lane is audio. Therefore, when a podcaster does a video component to the podcaster, uh, to their show, we tell the brand, hey, when you buy into the show, you're not only getting the audio piece, there's also a video component that you're getting. And then that comes in as added value. For us, it's a win because now we're not, you know, we're able to sort of really amplify the campaign and, and provide and provide more eyeballs and more listeners for, for, for any given campaign that might be included within that podcast. Also, what makes us extremely unique and different is that most of our podcasters have large following on social. We don't charge our advertisers for it. Uh, it might eat up into our margins because some of those podcasters would want dollars to post on their social channels but we're saying it's added value because we want the campaign to be successful therefore if i have someone that has a million followers on instagram yet they're promoting your products on their podcasts additionally we want their followers on instagram to be aware that your brand is in bed with with said person and we want said person to promote in their social channels because then now it amplifies the campaign it allows more eyeballs which will which will which will lead to more sales and more you know and more purchases. So for us, it's a win-win. Even if it if it has to eat in our margins, we're always going to offer our clients added value from a social perspective and also from a video perspective. Got it. And it works vice versa too, where a brand hits hits you guys up if they have a brief. But let's say if there's a pop a popping podcaster, they can connect with you guys as well too to try to get advertising for their podcast and monetize. 
Sure. Like you're saying, if brands want to monetize. No, I'm just saying, like, I know, like you discussed previously, where brands hit you guys up for, pit, I mean, guys come to you and give you guys pitches of what they want and whatnot. Let's say it's the other side where a podcast is already popping, don't have the advertisers. Um, they can come to you as well to potentially looking for monetization and advertisers. Oh, yeah, for sure. That's exactly what we do. 100%. 100%. Also, is it more, are you getting more briefs from brands? Is it more, brand, are you, or is like, has it been an influx of like all these multicultural um, podcasters that come to you? And what is the filtration process that you actually let, allow in your network? Sure. That's a great question. It's, it's twofold. It's two arms, not two folks, it's two arms to the business. You have the, the arm that goes after the advertisers and the arm that goes after the podcasters. The same way we're always pitching advertisers, sometimes advertisers come after us. The same way we're always going after podcasters, podcasters come after us. So it's a, it's a well-oiled machine in regards to podcasters due to the fact that we're looking for reach and scale. We can't say we have 400 podcasts and the total the 400 podcasts tallies up to maybe 2 million impressions a week that's small numbers right so we want to make sure that we're working with podcasters that have the that 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 have the volume from a listenership perspective so numbers is the number one criteria for us is that we want you to have the numbers so that we can say, we can go to our advertisers and say, hey, we have reach and scale, we have great shows, we have great content, but at the same time, the numbers can back it up, right? But at the same time, we can't chase numbers all the time because there's actually good content that's still valuable. So that said, you may not have the 10,000 listeners, but the, the 2,000, the 3,000, or the 5,000 listeners that you have look at you as an influencer because they're tuning in week in and week out because you have great content that they find entertaining, that they find educational, and if you were to place any type of product in front of them, they'll actually go out and buy it because they trust you. They believe in the things that you say in your sh- on your show. Because mm-hmm. they have that um, brand loyalty on the podcaster side. To the podcaster. Correct. So, therefore, given that there's a level of loyalty for the podcaster, despite your numbers, you know for a fact there's going to be a level, high level of redemption and high conversion rate. Because you have loyal following. You're you have viable a, at that time. Precisely. So that's an interesting point. You brought up Steve Stout's um, interview. Um, and Steve Stout said some real gems, especially as far as the music industry. Um, and he said the music industry is 15, 15 years behind. And he said the new model for the music industry is that it's going to be based on advertisers. And the podcast game is already based on advertisers, right? Mm-hmm. Um do you see value in the subscription model for your podcasters? Is that something that you sh- you 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 uh you um you recommend for your podcasters to do a subscription model for them? And is that something that Pod Media gets into as well too? In as far as the overall um, business model and as far as the profit, I personally will never work with a with a podcast that feels people must subscribe in order to listen to it. Luminary is known is a new company that recently came out last year. They're no Luminary is the Netflix of pod for podcasts. In order for you to access the content, you have to pay a monthly fee in order to get the content. Look, man, there is so many podcasts out there 
why would I want to pay to listen to somebody's podcast if it's not if it's not even content that if it's content I can get elsewhere? Like it doesn't make any sense, and that also limits your audience because not everyone's going to listen to it. To li- not everyone's going to listen to the actual um, to the actual podcast because they can't reach it. Because if I have an app that has a hundred over a hundred podcasts, why would I pay? I'm not paying to listen to one podcast. I mean. I mean, oh. that would depend too if that's like if Diddy had a personal podcast. I mean, Oprah has a podcast and it's free. TD Jakes has a podcast and it's free. So, unless it's an episodic type content of podcast that tells a story, I mean, everybody's point of entry to podcasting has been serial, right? Because serial was telling a story about this young man that's incarcerated out in Baltimore, et cetera, et cetera. That's, that's storytelling. That's. that's Episodic, you want to hear what happens in the next episode, did he get released, what's going on, et cetera, et cetera. Those type of content will do extremely well from a, from a paywall perspective. But like your typical entertainment, the weekly entertainment shows, it's, it doesn't do well because then I can easily listen to it. I can easily listen to it on, I can easily get the same information from a different entertainer that I may find just as entertaining. So I'm not going to actually go ahead and, and pay for it. So personally, I mean, does it have opportunity? I'll never say never. Does it have Does it have opportunity to grow? Absolutely, of course, without a doubt. Again, to your point, if a certain level of talent goes out and create a create a podcast, if LeBron creates a podcast that speaks specifically about his summer workouts, what that looks like, and he is documenting it week one, week two, week four during the off season, and he comes in, he says, "This is what I worked on today." I'm sure that sort of content will do extremely well. Given his caliber and given what he's the type of information and gems that he's putting out there, I'm sure that'll do extremely well. Um, so I'll never say paywall. Yeah, I agree. I definitely think it's a particular brand that Correct. had to pull that I mean, off. Not everyone can, can pull it off. But I'm, I personally, we wouldn't work with podcasters beyond a paywall because we know your listeners and your audience would be limited. Mm. Do you ever recommend to some of your uh, clients on the um, brand side to do their own branded? Uh, podcast? Oh yeah, hundred percent. We do that. We do that. We do that all the time. Um, um, we actually create. That's actually one component of the company. Um, okay, so we're known for monetization. We're known for to a podcaster. We're known for as a monetization ex- agency. For an advertiser, we're known as a multicultural agency that can connect them with the multicultural audience within the podcast ecosystem. And for brands. We're saying, look, similarly to how you currently have your own handle that you own for Facebook, for Instagram, for Twitter, you're controlling your brand voice. You have the same opportunity to do the same thing via podcast. If you create a branded podcast, you can make company announcements, new product announcements, personnel changes, culturally relevant content that talk about your internal culture how you're breeding and how you're growing your 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 training, your coaching, your your staff. That all can be on a podcast that where people can tune in and other your competitors or potential potential new employees, potential candidates can say, oh, this company is really great because now there's a level of transparency of you lifting the hood to provide them with additional information about your company. That's beautiful because now you're controlling your brand narrative. So you should have a podcast. So the third piece of the company is that we create custom podcasts for companies. Our very first client was more at Hennessy. They had a podcast, but the podcast was a bit different. The podcast was for, for internal usage. So it wasn't on iTunes or Spotify, but it was 
docked on an internal audio platform where the employees can listen to what's happening. For example, Moet Hennessy has, you might know it just for Hennessy, but they have Vuv Clicquot, they have Moet Chandon, they have... They have Belvedere. There's, more, there's a slew of wine brands that I don't even know about. So what they were doing, they'll get the head of marketing for Belvedere. They'll team up with the head of, uh, head of multicultural for Hennessy. And they'll say, hey, have a conversation. What are you guys doing different at Belvedere? What are you guys doing at Belvedere? What are you, what, how's the culture at Belvedere? How's the culture? What type of campaigns are you guys working on? What type of partnership are you guys creating? Et cetera, et cetera. Right? It's basically exchanging information so that people at Hennessy can know what Belvedere is doing and not have to hear about it in the news. To me, that was brilliant because now you're creating a company culture with transparency that, and you're also creating opportunities because Belvedere might be working on sustainability initiatives and someone that's really about, you know, about the environment can say, you know what, I'm actually interested. I think next, my next job is going to be at Belvedere because I really like, I would want to work in the sustainability um, initiative that they're working on and I would love to be a part of that and versus that person leaving your organization completely to go work and and they're very talented they're extremely talented versus having them working for a completely different organization they still stay with an organization but just on a different brand because you've given you've lifted the hood up and provided a level of transparency absolutely you'll be able to show the culture between different divisions at that point you're um, that vertical of your company at that point your services you go in and just do the in-house production Correct. We tell them, hey, look, you should show up. Your microphone, the studio will be ready. Everything will be there. Just show up, have a conversation. We'll record it, we'll edit it, and then we'll send you the final product. And then you'll approve the final product. They don't have to lift a finger. Um, and we want to do the exact same thing. That's something that for 2020 is definitely on our radar to be much more aggressive and, and just help brands tell their story. You don't need to go, you don't always have to go buy a TV spot or radio spot. If you have your own podcast, you're controlling your brand narrative. And now we also have the network where we can help you cross-promote your podcast to grow the listenership. It's a win-win. Absolutely. What would you say is your, um, well, can you talk about some of the deals you're most proud of or some of the partnerships that you're most proud of that you've created? Absolutely. Uh, the first one that, you know, we're very excited about is definitely this NBA partnership. Um, Clap it up for that. <laughs> Uh, it's definitely this opportunity with uh, with the NBPA, the National Basketball uh, Players Association, uh, Pod Digital Media getting the exclusive rights to their podcast that's being created by T1 by T1 Talent. And we're not talking about and nothing absolutely wrong with with inactive players, but we're talking about active players. Yeah, I just seen JJ Reddick do a podcast with Zion. I'm like, ain't y'all playing the season going on? Yeah, I'm like, Yo, what's it's, going but on? That's, like, but guess what? You're tuning into it because you want to know, <laughs> JJ, how you feel playing with Zion? <laughs> because then now, and that, and that's the intimate aspect. And that that is the very intimate aspect of podcasting because now he's not, he, he He's not behind a microphone for ESPN or for TNT. He's literally sitting in a room with JJ Reddick and having a regular conversation. And that's being documented and that's being deployed. And you can listen to it. And that's his teammate. More present and more honest. And more comfortable. Absolutely. So, and then, for example, if JJ Reddick has a podcast, I mean, Danny Green has a podcast. I want to tune into Danny Green's podcast because I really want to know how he's impacted by by Kobe, the one of the greatest, the, I mean, the greatest Laker, passing, right? So, 
those are the type of content that's invaluable. I mean, we love hearing, we love Stephen A. Smith, we love Ernie, we love Barkley, we love those guys, but they're pundits now. We want to hear it directly from the horse's mouth, which, which, which is the players, right? So the fact that now we have access to active players creating great content, creating a podcast where they're very comfortable, they're inviting the other players to come on the podcast to have real conversation, whether it's about family, about the game, about partnerships, about their growth, mental health, their fashion sense, uh, their eating habits, their training uh, habits. It's, it's, it's unmatched, man. So we're very proud. We're very excited about this partnership. And, uh, you know, we're looking forward to, to expanding it and growing it uh, for, for, for years to come. Thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Um, and, I mean, as for, uh, that's a partnership on the content side, but from the advertising side for us, it's, you know, we really started with working with, working with, with a lot of DTC brands, uh, direct-to-consumer brands that are very all about that instantaneous sell. But we've been able to, to grow that a bit where now, you know, we work for HBO, we work with Showtime, we work with Viacom, we work with Universal Pictures, we work with Ford, we work with Toyota. So it's just a great opportunity for us to be able to uh, – to have that level of access and to grow our company to work on such, you know, with, with more blue chip advertisers. So uh, those are certainly the things I'm happy about. We Now we have excellent content, excellent shows, and that's, that's going to be a revolving door, always adding new shows into the mix. And additionally, now to, to be able to say, hey, we also have the blue chip advertisers that we can pair them with. To us, that's, that's, that's phenomenal. Question for you. So, you know, 2019 was, quote, unquote, the year of podcasts, right? right. And beyond is going to be even more years of podcasts. So I'm going to spit some numbers at you, right? Spotify spent $340 million on Gimlet and Anchor, right? Um, they dangling a crazy number right now for Bill Simmons on um, Ringer Network for $200 million, right? But those are those are networks that create content. You are essentially the bridge between the podcasting culture, the culture culture, mm-hmm. and the brands, right? Right. What does would you be open to like an acquisition if RGA came up to you is like, yo, Gary, here's here's a stupid bag. Like what or or is it kind of like so early in the game that you're like, nah, I, I can't even consider that. Oh, for us, we're all about good partnerships. So it's not about who brings the bag, you know, because anyone can have the actual dollars to, you know, to buy us out. But is what truly matters is how are you going to help us move the company and the culture forward? So that said, we would we would love to partner for a company that truly understands audio, that truly understands the fully 360 integration aspect with the talent I spoke about earlier from the social component to the video component to the audio component and even extend it to the experiential component. That's that's two. And three, do you really understand the model? Because we don't cater to the general audience. We cater to the multicultural segment. So what exactly, what role will that play within your company? Are you just looking for a pat in the back to say now you have diversity and inclusion because you work with a multi, you, you've now acquired a multicultural company? Or does that really, really play a vital role in your company's overall growth within the next five to ten years? So therefore, as much as a company would come in and evaluate us, we're evaluating them. Because at the end of the day right now, we don't need them. We don't need you. 
we would love to partner with you, especially if you're giving us an infusion of cash. Absolutely, because then now we can take that cash and create bigger and larger partnerships and go and get bigger and larger talent to come into the podcast space, which is an actual goal of mine to do that because there, I feel like there's a lot of great folks that are out there that are very talented. I have a lot to say. They should, be, they should be in a podcast, and they're not sort of enticed. They're not motivated enough to come. But if we have the, if we have the funds where we can actually go, hey, here's a check for X amount, but we'd love to hear your story, let's do it. Let's make that happen uh, because then we know based on that person's clout and story, storytelling abilities and the quality of the content that they'll put forward that we know for a fact we'll be able to grow and get an audience to tune into the podcast. So for us, if we can get an infusion of cash that allows us to do that, that would be great. But at the same time, we'll, we want to evaluate the company. It's not too early. If it's the right partner, that's going to really be where we'll be a priority within the platform. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah, my last question is, um, it's been great information, too. It's great. Uh, this guy is very... Uh, very knowledgeable. I love uh, knowledgeable people. Um, yeah. Uh, so, first, I want to ask you: How do you define culture? Number one and number two, because when you decide to get into the uh, agency podcast space, um, it's clear that you guys leaned on the more cultural sector and culture of po cultural podcasts. Um, um, that being strategic, what is the value you've seen in these? voices and conversations from black and brown individuals and cultural individuals right i mean to be honest with you culture is not even defined by black and brown because the culture is your interest in and similar interest in in basketball similar interest in music similar interest in the things that you like to do there's basketball culture there's skateboard there's skateboard culture there's music culture you know, everything has its own culture. So therefore, there might be a kid in Kansas City that just loves hip hop because he grows up listening to Eminem and Jay-Z songs and, and now he's just a hip hop fanatic because he grew up in that era. Um, DJ uh, Bobby Condas for so long, I don't think um, people knew that he was a white DJ that loves, right, that, right. Right, you know, but what are you, because he's white? That has nothing to do, but he's cultured. He knows, probably knows more reggae songs, more about reggae than, than a Jamaican does because he's so immersed into the mix of, of, of reggae music, right? So I think culture is really the affinity uh, and similarities for, for what makes, for, for, for what you're attracted to and what you think is, for what you define as cool. Um, so therefore, for us, when we're saying multicultural, multicultural, multicultural is based on the fact that the creators that are creating the content, and we know they're passionate about the type of content they're creating, they're, they're creating it for not necessarily specifically for black and brown people, they're creating it for whomever might be interested in what they're putting out there. And that person that's listening to it, whether they're, they're, they're Asian or they're white from New Zealand, they might just fully be interested to have a strong affinity for, for, that, for that type of content. Um, so as long as, man, you're not a culture vulture, you're not coming out just to steal a coolness, everybody's welcome. You know, we're not, I don't think we're operating when Beyonce's creating music. And if you go to, ever go to a Beyonce concert or a Jay-Z concert, I mean, 
there's Anderson Pack, there's um, Chance the Rapper, and when you go to those concerts, the diversity in the audience is insane. And then they know the lyrics. They're not just there just to bop their heads and say that we're there. That they know the lyrics. They're really, they're really eat and breathe hip hop culture. So that person falls into the multicultural bucket because due to the fact that there, it's not no longer about your skin color. It's just about the affinity for the things that you like and the and and the interest, if that makes sense. So that's how to me I'll define it. Um, when people are saying they're doing for the culture, you're doing things for people that have like-minded people that mutually want to see the space, the given space grow. That's how I look at it. Yeah. And uh, we ask all our guests this, you know what I'm saying? It's our anchor question. What drives you? What gives you your, your gusto to get up in the morning and do what you do? Man, pop media drives me. Uh, entrepreneurship drives me. Um, just waking up every day and saying, man, how am I going to grow this business today? Um, I think Pinky and the Brain say, hey, Pinky, what are we doing today? We're going to take over the world. Pinky and the Brain, right? That's the question they ask each other. I wake up in the morning and I ask, my, I ask myself that question. How am I going to take over the world today? Not necessarily the, the, you know, all the countries in the world, but my world, my pod, which is the podcast world, which is pod media. How am I going to take over my world today? What, else am, I, what am I going to do to dominate? What am I going to do today that's different than what I did yesterday? And then how am I going to make sure that my today is better than my yesterday? Um, and, and that's my black mamba mentality. How am I pushing myself forward? How am I growing as a, as a, as a businessman? Uh, I have a staff that I'm responsible for. I have podcasters I'm responsible for, and I have advertisers that I'm responsible for. So therefore, and I have myself that I'm responsible for, and I have my family that I'm responsible for. So what am I doing day in and day out to grow, uh, to make sure that I'm a better person than I was yesterday? Um, and what am I doing for my business so it can grow, so it can be better than when it was yesterday than when it was last month than how it was last year, you know? And then the proof is in the pudding because you got to go back when someone says, hey, what did you do yesterday or what did you do last year? You can say, oh, last year I did X, Y, and Z, but this year I'm doing X, Y, and Z because it's such a transactional-driven world and business. If there's no transaction, there's no movement. There's no, you can't front, it, it, you can easily tell. Um, and I would never want my card pulled for someone to say, well, you're not really working. No one could ever, ever say that about me because my work ethic, uh, I put in the work not to prove people wrong, but to prove to myself that I am in fact growing, that I am in fact getting to the next level that I want to that I want to reach. So for me, that's what that's what drives me. Uh, it's it's reaching, doing the work to reach that next level to get me uh, to where I need to be at. So that's that. Hundred percent incredible. There you yeah. have it, Gary. Thank you so much for talking to us. Thank you, brother. Thank you, know, you guys like for we having me. Always say it this time. Stay driven. Stay driven, y'all.